1: On a Monday as we recap the Lincoln Riley press conference, he's Toby Rowland. I'm Chris Plank. What a night in Norman. We be podcasting. Vod. Vodcasting. I like this even better. 70-14, um, to 14, Oklahoma beats South Dakota. But I wanted to get your take before we got into our, 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 our five things we're going to focus on today, including a look around the Big 12 and a great second half of Kyler Murray's debut kind of a tough Sunday. What a day in
2: the NFL for for Sooners and for Sooner fans.
1: Right, tough day for Baker, great day for Marquise Brown and Orlando Brown. So we'll we'll get into all that coming up here in just a bit. But I was really impressed with the crowd on Saturday night because we talked about it during the Sooner pregame show. Maybe not quite the traffic that we typically see pregame. And I don't mean driving traffic, I mean foot traffic. And I thought the crowd showed up in a big way and had a nice atmosphere, and they didn't leave. They stuck around for it a majority was, of it. I
2: think you would describe the pregame atmosphere as somewhere south of electric <laughs> for that game. Uh, but – and it was hot. It was hot. It was really hot. It was an FCS opponent. And uh, you're right. I mean, they rolled out 125th consecutive sellout, um, and, I, and they stuck around, and they were loud, and it was fun. That was a fun atmosphere. They got treated to uh, three takeaways – Pick six, a whole bunch of new guys getting their first touchdown in this game, both at quarterback and uh, at wide receiver. So I thought it was a pretty fun night. 70 points.
1: Am I the only guy that sometimes whenever you see the
2: yes. new guys,
1: good answer. Mm-hmm. When you see the new guys in uniform, like, for instance, Theo Weese scoring a touchdown and you see 10 going into the end zone, I'm like, wait, what's Steven Parker doing out there? <laughs> or or sometimes when I'll How see How about it,
2: that run after catch? Oh, my goodness. He's. He wheezy. What do you think about that? I think I'm going Tweezy for him. I like it.
1: Now, that might be one that we have to get all the the youngsters' opinion on, whether or not, you know, like Meg and don't, some of the students. Don't
2: ever – it's like when you name a child and you go around asking people, do you like this name? Don't do it. It's a terrible idea because somebody's going to tell you, I had a dog with that name and it died one time.
1: <laughs> Can't no, name it you, you
2: never You never ask for an opinion. Tweezy though, I do on. like it. That's well, very I good. I think Lincoln gave us a new nickname uh, today. He said – if I heard him right, that they called Delarian and Turner Yell Trouble. Trouble. Which I think is a cool name. And then we got Ball Out Chuck. Ball Out Charlie, yeah. Yep. Um, yeah.
1: He, he didn't like it whenever, I said, whenever Gabe said Ball Out Chuck, did he? He's like, no, Ball Out Charlie. So we got to make sure we get that right, right for Charleston right. Rambo. But regardless, it was a Sooner win. They're 2-0. We're getting ready for UCLA. So you mentioned it. Brennan Radley-Hiles has just been named the Big 12 defensive player of the week for his performance. First interception in a Sooner uniform. Fell on the fumble early. And that's the big storyline, the takeaways, because as we start rolling into some of the things that stood out to us on Saturday night, that is an area that you could tell after the win over Houston last Sunday that Alex Grinch was not happy about. He told us in a post-game show, you know, I let my feelings know. And I – we're based on getting turnovers. I'm sorry, takeaways. That's what we do. We take the ball away from the opposition, and they got three of them on Saturday night and looked pretty good in getting them as well.
2: Well, and they didn't commit any. That's so true. they ended plus three, which means for the year now they're plus one, which is the big stat. You know, a year ago they were minus two in the turnover margin. And for a college football playoff team, that's pretty amazing. So uh, plus one early in the season. They coughed it up a couple of times uh, in, in week one, but they. They caused three takeaways uh, this week, and they they almost had four. Jaden Davis had a pick six there late in the game that got called back because of the offsides penalty. So I don't think there's any doubt if you have watched this team the last few years that they are being more aggressive defensively, Uh, getting in the backfield, rallying to the football, tight on. Look at that uh, tight coverage in the secondary press coverage, if you will there is no doubt that they are amping up the aggressiveness. Now, you know, we'll see when they get to teams that are capable of hurting them. When when they're getting to quarterbacks who are t- capable of throwing deep, whether or not, you know, they can continue to play well. I think they will. But Parnell Motley's been great so far. That kid, Jaden Davis, kind of hard to keep him off the field with the way he's playing. Um Lincoln Riley mentioned in his press conference on Monday the safeties haven't done. Look at that. It how do he hold on to that? The safeties have played well. And then buki has been the star of the show. So, uh, fantastic performance. The starters, when they were out there on Saturday, didn't give up a single point. So, take it. Let's see how they do it against UCLA. So what's
1: next? That next step, we get asked a lot. I mean, you're going to face better offenses. Though, don't sleep on Houston. Houston's a really good offense. But what's next is just continuing. You know, the communication has been really good so far. Uh, I I don't know if fans have noticed this, but they've started a thing. When they get a turnover, they hold the fist up, so everybody's together, and it builds the energy on the sideline, even if it's a turnover on downs. And, you know, Alex Grinch wasn't just taking anything for granted on Saturday night. There was a point... I want to say late in the third quarter where he brought everyone together and he was not happy. He was not happy because they had just given up a score. Regardless, I think that next step is just continuing to understand the the requirements of this defense, to understand the effort that it takes and continue to get after the football, right?
2: Well, yes. I think the the next thing is consistency, which is what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Put good performance after good performance after good performance on the field until it becomes not unexpected, but habit. But, you know, the real step beyond that is Texas is coming. Right. And Texas Tech before that is coming. And Baylor, who knows what they're doing on offense, is coming. And Oklahoma State's coming. And hopefully on down the line there's a, you know, a Clemson or an Alabama or Georgia or somebody like that that's coming. And these are teams that are really good at offense. And so build the confidence early so that when you get to those teams who really know what they're doing offensively, this defense has a swagger to it. Mm-hmm. It has a confidence. It has a cockiness to it that Oklahoma used to play with on defense all the time. You know, Brian Bosworth rolled onto the field, and, 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 and Roy Williams and Teddy Lehman and, and Rocky Kalmas and Leroy Selman, and stop me, I could name defensive guys <laughs> Rod Shote all, all day. When these guys walked onto the field, they, not only were they not scared of you, They intimidated you. Right. I don't think Oklahoma defensively has intimidated teams for a while now. And they want to get back to that.
1: I like that line, though. Not unexpected when it happens, but it's habit. Yeah. That's that's what we'll go with. All right, so shifting from defense, though, I guess this would apply to the defense. Since you mentioned guys like Jaden Davis, we saw some of the young linebackers out there as well, too. They, uh, they Did Lincoln say we let the puppies out of the kennel? Yeah. I think is, is how he, he... He's talking about the wide to, receivers. Talking about the wide yeah. receivers, talking about the running backs, talking as well, as we mentioned, a couple of guys on the defense. But that focus is really on four guys, three five-star receivers, and Spencer Rattler getting out there slinging around on Saturday night. It's fun to watch.
2: Spencer looked great. He completed every pass he threw. You could tell how athletic he is. Uh, I know he's not necessarily a new guy, but I don't want to act like that. You know, we, we don't. Tanner Mordecai looked, looked fantastic great. while he was out there. So both of the backup quarterbacks look sharp. There A lot of times there's sloppiness mm-hmm. when they come into the game, and there was anything but that. But my goodness, is OU any deep at <laughs> wide receiver? I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> Here's a little bit of Rattler and Stogner. There's another guy who we didn't mention, another freshman. But Hazelwood, the run-after catch for him so far has been almost breathtaking. In games one and two, when he catches the football, he is special in the open field. Uh, we saw an incredible touchdown on the first-ever catch for Theo Weiss. He caught it at the 20-yard line and carried half the state of South Dakota into the end zone with him. <laughs> And then Bridges, we saw a a burst of speed and a touchdown from him, and we saw a whole bunch of him in the spring game that is to like as well. And you're just adding those guys on top of CeeDee Lamb, uh, Charleston Rambo, Grant Calcaterra, who's only got two catches so far this year. He didn't have any on Saturday. Uh, Lee Morris, A.D. Miller, Nick Basquin. I mean, goodness gracious. They're loaded talent-wise. Drake Stoops got a catch. Yeah, he did. Showed off the flowing mane with the
1: hair flip. I do that a lot on the sidelines. Um, This stat is crazy, and I was sitting here figuring it out, just thinking about how many different weapons they have, and maybe this is that point where we should mention that little flip whenever they run a jet sweep. That's considered passing yards. Right. Just for for clarification. Six incompletions from the quarterbacks on Saturday night, six touchdowns. Three incompletions by Jalen Hurts on Sunday night last week. Three touchdowns. So that means they've had as many incompletions as touchdowns so yeah. far this season.
2: Well, wow. I mean, just to kind of branch off from that, Jalen Hurts, just Jalen Hurts, has accounted so far for nine touchdowns and seven incompletions. Oof. Wow. So when you
1: have that kind of consistency and then you're able to get to those young guys and they don't skip a beat, boy, think about where those, the Theo Weezes of the world, the Jane Hazelwoods, think about where they're going to be come mid-October and yeah. even early November. Next year. And next year, and the year after that, <laughs> and the year after that, yeah. right? So we're talking about the next three years. Now, with that in mind, we're talking about the young pups. But last week on this year podcast, Toby Rowland talked about getting CeeDee Lamb more involved. He had the touchdown catch against Houston, but that was really it. On Saturday, ooh, was he involved big, early and often?
2: Big first half, especially six catches, 144 yards. The touchdown he had the spectacular kind of falling to the ground catch Still early don't know how on he caught it. with a guy draped all over him. Um, he's the go-to guy of all those weapons we mentioned. He's the one capable of making the most spectacular play. I I don't even, and I think Jalen is learning this. Like, he's not open. When he throws that ball, he's not open, but he catches it. (laughs) And so that's kind of what we were talking about last week is, I'm not sure at Alabama he makes that throw. Right. Because I'm not sure Nick wants him to make the throw. Lincoln does, especially to that guy. And C.D. Lamb, if, if it's one-on-one, you like your chances with number two, much less if he's that wide open. Now, I think that we'll see something similar next week. You know, C.D. was coming off a pretty quiet week one, and I think there was a point of emphasis to try to get him involved early. I think in, at UCLA, we'll see that with Grant Calcaterra. You know, two catches in week one, none in week two. He's too big of a weapon. He's too good to um, – He's not going to become disinterested, but he needs to be involved. He he needs other teams to worry about him on the game film. And so far, he hasn't been a big factor. I think you'll see them early and often against UCLA try to get 80 of the football.
1: I'm not just scrolling on my phone and ignoring Toby. Would you pay attention to what we're doing? I got a note here that I wanted to get to from our stats guy, Dennis Stats Kelly, because this blew my mind. CD had 114 yards on five catches with a touchdown. In the first quarter, mm-hmm. in the first quarter on Saturday night, finished with six for 144, which allowed the Pups to get involved. But more than anything, we talked to him in the post game. CD's never really down. He's, he always seems to be an upbeat guy, but you could sense he was feeling really good because that timing is something that I'm sure they still work on every single day. Mm-hmm. This is the third quarterback in three years for CD Lamb. He started with Baker his freshman year, had Kyler last year, now he's got jalen hurts and you know if he sticks around pretty good right he'll have a different quarterback next year as well too so i I just love seeing him break out i love being able to talk to him in the post-game interview rooms and uh, he is he is just fantastic so cd lamb finished with six for 144 expect big things out of him on saturday against the bruins now speaking of flexing their their depth muscles if is that a term
2: it is now all right flexing their muscles at the copyright that puppy running back wow
1: um you know, TJ Pledger's out for a while with an injury, The Lincoln Riley made it seem as if he could be back at some point this year, but man, how about Trey Sermon continuing to develop, Kennedy Brooks, who we didn't see much in week one, had a nice night on Saturday night, and Ramondre Stevenson, I'll never forget when Jay Bolwer when when we did our signing day show on Sooner Sports TV, Jay Bolwer talked about the fit of Ramondre Stevenson in this room, and he's a... He's a big body that can run over some people and run away from him, as we learned Saturday night, too.
2: I like Ramondre Stevenson a lot. I think that he's six foot tall. He is stout. Look at him. He's stout. <laughs> and he is quick. I mean, some of these lateral moves. Cheeky-cheeky, see that right there? I mean, he had a little stutter step and went around a guy. And then we saw his breakaway speed as well as he hits the hole here and you're not going to catch him. That is your theoretically fourth running back. That's crazy. Um, the court, the the running back position the tailback position has changed dramatically in i would say just like the last 5 or 6 years maybe maybe 10 years but it used to be that you had one back and you gave him the ball 20 25 30 times a game and that was your horse right adrian peterson was one of those uh, back in the day that you know that's just the way it worked if uh, there was a thought that a guy had to get into a rhythm, and the more he got going, the better he was. And, and maybe that was true. I don't know. But that is not the case now. If you have the ability to play multiple backs, one, it keeps them fresh for in season. Two, it keeps them with less mileage on them when they go to the next level. And I think the the pros really like that. They're not mm-hmm. quite so beat up. And a, especially late in the year, you know, you want to have Trey Sermon fresh for the biggest games when they roll around so Trey looks great I think he's capable of carrying the ball 25 times a game but they would love it they love getting him out there seven eight carries you good all right let's get Kennedy worked in because Kennedy only got four carries in the opener he's kind of you know a little slow to join the team this year let's get him they got him a bunch of totes on Saturday feel good Kennedy okay let's get Ramondre some carries get him he goes for a 100 plus yards they even got the freshman Marcus Major in the game there at the end so they are talented they are deep i think they feel good with all of them on the field but i think when push comes to shove you know when we get down to the cotton bowl the big games of the year you're going to see four and 26 on the field Most. Of the time.
1: I, i've had a hard time in really describing it because you don't want to say wow it, it looks like he's lost weight when you talk about trey sermon he just looks
2: look they've already made a graphic out of the phrase you just coined well i
1: think That's uh, i think that was actually meg's idea and i stole it oh. from her and i just worded it incorrectly oh. but the thing that's impressive to me is Trey Sermon, he looks lighter, but it's not as if he's running light. Does that make any sense at all? I mean he, he looks as if he's ever been out of shape. You know, the no. dude's an incredible, he just looks like a different running back to me.
2: I this think year. he I think he's carved up a little better. There you go. You know, I think I that like that. He's he, maybe he's lost, you have to ask him, maybe he's lost five pounds, mm-hmm. but I don't think it was I think it was uh it's transformed into even more muscle, probably. So, he's fine. He looks better than he ever has, I think.
1: It's kind of wild because we're watching all these highlights, and every single one of these runs that we've seen so far look like the go-to back. I mean, Kennedy Brooks finding yeah. the whole boom, hitting it, running over a
2: guy. Can I throw in one more point about the running back? Go ahead. Because we're done talking about offense after this, right? Right, exactly. Okay, this is typical. No offense to you or Meg who put this fabulous show together or anybody else. <laughs> But we've talked about Jalen Hurts. Mm -hmm. We've talked about the bevy of wide receivers. We've talked about them flexing their running back muscle. No one ever talks about the H backs.
1: No, they don't. And they
2: are vital in what Lincoln Riley does. And you will see Jeremiah Hall and Braden Willis on the field, one or the other or both, on every play. And once in a while, they'll throw them the football just to keep the defense, you know, make them have to work on that. But they are so pivotal. In everything Lincoln does, either as a lead blocker, uh, double tight end sets on one side, and they'll run behind him. Look at him right there. Running behind Jeremiah Hall. That's Braden Willis. Um, The H-backs, for as long as Lincoln's been here, have been the unsung heroes of this football team. This year it happens to be Hall and Willis. I'll
1: never forget when Lincoln Riley was hired out of East Carolina. The panic by some fans who happened to look at the East Carolina roster and noticed they didn't have any full Hbacks H-backs on their roster. What are we going to do with Dimitri Flowers? Lo and behold, Lincoln Riley has turned it into one of the most devastating positions on the field. And yep. you're right. We, we don't give it from what Dimitri did to what Carson Meyer developed into to what I think you're seeing so far in Jeremiah Hall. Every time
2: they throw, like they had a touchdown pass to Jeremiah Hall mm-hmm. on Saturday. And I, I, <laughs> if, you watch, if you watch the defense... It's just shoulder slump. <laughs> like you've got to be kidding me! I've got to worry about C. D. Lamb and Grant Conkittera and Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks and Jalen Hurts might very well run it himself. Right. And I got Charleston Rambo over here, and you got five star receivers <laughs> running off the bench in droves. And you're going to throw it to the fullback? Right. Knock it off, you know. Uh, but they are extremely valuable in what he does. That was
1: a heck of a catch he made main traffic too.
2: There was Jeremiah couple, Hall. Yeah, there was a, a linebacker he's coming a nice down player.
1: on him. He's he's been a good player so far. So. There's a look at OU's 70 to 14 win over South Dakota. We thought we would wrap up before we get to your questions from Facebook and Twitter with just a look around. Not just college football, but the pro game yesterday and since it is Monday, uh, as we tape this and everybody's ready to watch the Raiders take over the NFL tonight. Are we? Yes, absolutely. What about the debut for Kyler Murray and Marquise Brown yesterday? Now I watched all of the Cardinals Lions game and it took a while for Kyler to get going. But once he did look out, and it didn't take long for Marquise Brown to get going. His first two catches were touchdowns.
2: I think I saw a stat that Hollywood was on the field for eight plays. <laughs> not, not that they threw him eight passes. He was on, <laughs> on the, the field. field for eight plays, and he got two touchdowns for, what, a 144 yeah, yards or something yeah. like that?
1: First two catches, 144, I mean, the speed touchdowns.
2: is still electric. I don't even know if he's back to 100% yet. No, but he's not. That speed travels from college to the NFL. And a good for Kyler. It looked for a long time. Like it was going to be a dud of a debut and they couldn't get what they have three first downs going mm-hmm. to the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden it clicked for him and he looked comfortable. Looked like he was in the proverbial rocking chair back there. He's just picking off receivers right and left. He ran it three times. I, I there might've only been one or two called quarterback runs, which I thought was interesting by Cliff Kingsbury. Um, but to lead a game-tying drive and a two-point conversion there at the end in his first game ever was impressive. I thought they were going to win it. I I thought in overtime he was going to take them right down the field and win it.
1: By the way, and thank you to the Lions offensive coordinator, Dale Bevel, for calling the timeout. On what would have been a third down conversion, and probably ended the game. Yeah. But uh, so Arizona ends up with a tie. We still have those in football. Uh, Baltimore 59 to 10 over Miami. They looked really Mark good. Mark Andrews
2: had a touchdown. Mark
1: Andrews was their second leading receiver. Yeah, yeah. Two Sooners over 100 yards, and Orlando Brown was crushing guys on the offensive line. Do Baker's going to be fine? By the way, the Browns lost. They're going to be okay. I just think it started going downhill, and it got out of control. His starting tackle got kicked out of the game, and Greg Robinson for stomping on a guy. So Rough not, opener for fake. Yeah, right. It, the NFL is a week-to-week league. We could come in here next week and be thinking, well, how in the world did the Dolphins compete with the, the Patriots? It's it's just a weird game
2: the way that it works out. So. Uh, 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 D.D. Westbrook had a touchdown.
1: D.D. Westbrook had a touchdown, and, you know, he's got a – He's going to have a new quarterback next week. Mm-hmm. The Jaguars made a trade for Joshua Dobbs from the Steelers, and they got Gardner Minshew Of oh, Tennessee Volunteers fame? Uh, yes. Yeah? Yes, was on the field whenever we beat him. That's right. I kept thinking whenever I was watching Kyler Murray and Arizona play Detroit, it reminded me of that Tennessee game. Because no one remembers, and Lincoln talked about it a couple of weeks ago. The offense That's was, a good point. The offense wasn't clicking early cl- in that they game. They couldn't do
2: anything. <laughs> The TV networks were showing Trevor Tim- Knight. Sorry. Tennessee we're... game in Knoxville. Yes, thank you very much. For three quarters, the offense was terrible that right. night. Yeah, you're right. They were, they were, at least on television, they were talking about whether Trevor Knight was going to take over for Baker. Yep. And then all of the a blew the up. The legend is born. Yeah. Same, you're right. That was very reminiscent.
1: Yeah. Same, same thing I think that we saw on Sunday with the Lions versus the Arizona Cardinals and their offense. All right, so in the Big 12, what'd you make of the Texas LSU game? Tough. By the way, tough Saturday for both West Virginia and Kansas. So let's focus on a, maybe a bit more of
2: a positive. Kansas State is looking good early. Kansas State's looking really good yeah. early. So uh, Texas, I was impressed with them offensively. That they well, that that was a three nothing game for a long time. Right, and then both offenses exploded. I was impressed that Texas was able to move the ball as well as they were and put up as many points as they were once they got going against what we. Believed to be a really good LSU defense with a ton of NFL guys on that side of the ball. Um, you know, defensively, they lost, was it eight or nine eight starters, starters off yep. last year's team? And it looked like it. I think LSU's figured something out. They bring the Saints, and you probably remember his name, the Saints assistant to help out LSU on offense this year. Joe Brady. Joe Brady. They and, showed him
1: in the press box enough on Saturday night. Yeah,
2: they look a lot they look a lot better throwing the ball around the yard. Joe Burrow looks like a Heisman contender now. Uh, but Texas has some things to figure out on the on the defensive side of the ball. They look like a team that had nine new starters over there. Yeah, so and, that, that was an entertaining game. Yeah, I, of course. I, we'll have to see on down the line whether that's you know better or worse for Oklahoma. I know that debate was raging last week who are we supposed to be cheering for in this game. I thought Texas accounted itself well even though they didn't get the win. So, you know, it is what it is.
1: I, I will I will add this. I thought it was really cool to see Herman's glee, can I use that term, in how well Joe Burrow played. Because for, Tom Herman recruited Burrow to Ohio State. And you could, see right. it, you could see it after the game, and he even talked about it in his post-game press. I mean, he's got it as a coach. You know, he just lost maybe one of the biggest home games for Texas in years and the whole their back and, and, and to lose. But to see him... Feel good for a guy that actually just had been such an integral part of his Ohio State time. I thought that was kind of cool from this Saturday. This is a down. good
2: week coming up yep. in uh, the Big 12. There's some fun matchups. I don't know if we have that graphic on hand. I don't want to catch anybody by surprise, but Kansas State goes to Mississippi yep. State. Oh.
1: oh, my goodness.
2: So, uh, we got first class. Look
1: at you, Mag. Look at
2: you, thing. Tilly. NC State, West Virginia. West Virginia is trying to bounce back. Iowa, Iowa State for the Cyhawk Trophy and uh, ESPN Game days is going to Ames for first the first time, time ever. ever. Uh, TCU, a nice little test as they go to West Lafayette. Texas Tech has to go on the road. That'll be a nice test for them at Arizona. And you add on top of all that the, uh, the OU-UCLA game. There's not really – other than Texas and Rice, there's really not a dud of a matchup. I mean, I guess Kansas-Boston College, but I'm still – that's a – that's still a nice that's opponent. That's a good matchup.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's a yeah. Friday night, too. Right. By the way, Texas, Rice played Army very well yeah. in their opener. Right. So, I mean, Who did they lose to in week two, do you know? Uh, that's a good-looking question. I do not I mean to put you on the I don't spot, have it right, so have it right in front of me. I could scroll here and play on my phone until I find, I find out, but someone's probably already yelling at us on Facebook about it. So there's a look at the schedule. What, what, are, what are, are they weekend? asking us on Facebook? Well, let's find out. Let's All wrap right. up with a few questions before we get out of here on the Sooner Sports Podcast Live. And let's start with what I think has become kind of a – A fair question from the offseason until today. And it's curious from Robbie Guerin wants to know, how much of the playbook is installed for Jalen? In other words, have they shifted anything? Have they changed the offense with Jalen Hurts as your quarterback? And any decisions on redshirts yet? I'll take the latter and say I don't think so yet on that.
2: I would agree with you. I think that part of what happens against South Dakota and and to some extent the opener against Houston and maybe maybe even against Mm -hmm. UCLA is, getting some of these young guys some playing time to see who can help them, who, who needs to be on the field this year and, and who is uh, more likely to be redshirt. I don't. I think they probably have a pretty good idea of which way they're leaning on a bunch of guys, but I don't think that's firmly been decided on anyone as of yet. And we don't really have any way of knowing in the playbook. I, I would guess that it's been dialed back um, a little bit right. just because he he's in his first year in this system. You know, Baker was around for a long time before he took over as quarterback. So was Kyler. Kyler was around for two years before he ever <laughs> took over at quarterback. So this is Jalen Hurts' first year, first few months in a brand-new system. Even though he is a veteran and smart, and I'm sure he's picking it up faster than most would, I would think probably it's been scaled down a little bit. But that's Lincoln's not bringing me or you in and saying, here's the playbook and here's how much Jalen knows so, we're just kind of guessing a little bit.
1: Wake Forest forty-one, Rice twenty-one. Okay, this was going to loom over me the entire podcast if I hadn't figured it out. Thank I, you. For and I think in. I think redshirt valuable information. I, I think out. redshirt questions are ones that uh, also determine a lot on injuries as well too. If you have sure. a couple receivers sure. go down, look out. All right. Second question, and, and I think this is a really good one. How long will the defensive coaches? This is from my man Brian Lohmeyer who's up in Tulsa. How long will the defensive coaches try out different players before solidifying their lineup? I think they're pretty solid in the secondary right now. I think Buki's your nickel. You got, uh, what what do we call DeLarian Turner yell? Trouble. Trouble at one safety. You got Pat Fields at the other safety. And then your two corners are Trey Brown and Parnell Motley with
2: Jaden Davis knocking on the door. Um, That's a great question, Brian. I think you're going to see kind of a 15-16 guy rotation all year on defense. Uh, Remember, Kenneth Mann is still coming back. You're going to see Q Overton and uh, Dylan Famatau play all year long. Jalen Redman is going to play all year long. I think that there, there are a lot of guys in that front seven that they really like. Not only do they really like them, they like the idea of getting some valuable people rest every now and then. If you can get Kenneth Murray two or three or five or seven snaps on the sideline so that he's fresher in the second half, I think they like that idea. So I think the regular rotation, let's say when we get to the Cotton Bowl, is going to be 16, 17 guys and all. Jaden Davis is one of those guys. I think he's going to play. I think you're going to see Trey Brown and or Parnell Motley get a series off every once in a while so that Jaden Jaden Davis can play. I think there are some other guys. uh, I think Chance Sylvie is going to play. I think even though Buki's off to a great start, you're going to see him from time to time. That's just the philosophy of of Alex Grinch Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, it keeps fresh guys on the field all the time. And two, it keeps everybody theoretically more involved in team meetings and practices and everything when they know they've got a better chance of playing. And you may say that shouldn't be necessary, but sorry, it is. I mean, you know, in in this day and age, it is. So I I think he, he would love for that number to be 22, but I don't think he's quite there yet. So I think 17, 18, 16, 17, 18, somewhere in there is the number of guys who on the reg are going to find themselves on the field on a Saturday, regardless of who the starting 11 are.
1: And then our final Facebook question. You agree de- with that, by the way? Yes, depth is okay. going to be key. Depth is going to be the ultimate thing, and they want to get to 22. Uh, good question from Thomas. Last season, the defense started strong. I'm sure there will be some drop-off, but how much of a drop-off can we expect in Big 12 play?
2: I mean, I've been saying this all along. I think that, you know, cautiously optimistic is the approach right now. You're right, Thomas. Last year at the beginning looked a lot like this year at the beginning. And, and we were saying a lot of very nice things about the defense at this point a year ago. And it's, it's keeping it up that is the issue. Right There is the old uh, Seinfeld routine where he's written a card. He says it's not the taking of the reservation. It's the holding of the reservation. So it's not the learning to play defense. It's to continuously do it week after week after week. I don't know, Thomas. Thomas, or Alex Grinch doesn't know. Yeah, exactly. Lincoln Riley doesn't know. We shall see. But they did it in week one, and they followed it up with a good performance in week two. That's good. Now, go follow it up with a good performance in week three. Okay. Now, let's go do it. I mean, literally, that's yeah. it. And then if you put six, seven, eight good performance, you go to the Cotton Bowl and you play well, and the week after that, Texas Tech's coming to town in three weeks, they know what they're doing on offense. Alan Bowman's, Bowman's a, good a good quarterback. You play well against those guys, a little more confidence, a little more swagger. Before you know it, the team's uh, puffing their chest, and they're walking out on the field, and you say, you know what? We are a good defense. And I think that's what you're after. By the second half of the season, they believe it, we believe it, the opponent believes it, and then everybody can rest easy. What
1: your line I wrote down where it's no longer unexpected, it's habit. And so we go from the point where it's like, whoa, stop somebody, to where it's just happened, and it's natural. And I'll, and I'll add this, and I know we're running out of time, but I'll add this as well. Um, this team hasn't had free runners. There hasn't been a quarterback that missed an open receiver. The only free runner they had was when a cornerback fell down. Yeah, touchdown so
2: on the Vander Esch kid. Yeah. I,
1: I, I, I like what I've seen from that perspective in the communication. Toby, good stuff, man. We'll go fist bump Ready to go to Los Angeles? Let's go to L.A. We're going to L.A., Oklahoma, and UCLA. We'll be on the Sooner Radio Network at... 4 p.m.? 5 the, o'clock 5 Central
2: p.m. time. Oof. 3 o'clock Los Angeles time.
1: Should yeah. be fun. We can't wait to have you there. For Meg McDonald, Zach Tilly, he's Toby Roland. I'm Chris Plank. Until next time, Boomer Sooner, everybody.